podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Well, hello there. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. I am Ryan Scott, and I sincerely appreciate you joining us today. Um, as I speak, I'm looking out the window at about six inches of snow, um, but thankfully today's temperatures are up in the uh, low 50s, so it looks like the snow is leaving, so I'm super pumped about that. Um, we have been snowed in for about a week, so it's nice to get that stuff out of here and finally get back to school. Um, but speaking about being pumped up, I am, I am giddy like a schoolgirl um, to have my friend um, join us today. He is a good friend of mine. We have been friends for quite a while, and we've been talking about doing this. We just haven't been able to, to catch up and get our schedules aligned. So I'm super pumped to have my man, Cameron Derrick, to, uh, with us today. Um, he does hail from Henderson, Kentucky, just like me. Um, he is a SEL interventionist with the Evansville Vandenberg School Corporation right across the river in Evansville, Indiana. So without further ado, Cameron, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Um, good. To my listeners, you don't know this, but this is our second take because of uh, unstable internet connection. Um, but you, you know, look, like I don't have a uh, multi-million dollar recording studio or anything. I am literally sitting in my bedroom, um, staring out the window. So look, life happens and we just roll with it, right? Absolutely. That's right. We fail forward. So Cameron, um, let's start off. I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are first. Um, and then, you know, we'll save all of the, uh, all about your idea and all of that education stuff to later, but just, just tell us who you are in a, in a, in a nutshell. Um, I guess, uh, I had to kind of funnel it. Uh, I am a husband, a father, um, an uncle, a son, a brother, uh, you know, a friend, uh, I like to thank to many, um, to you as well. Um, I, I, you know, that's such a vast question, but I guess, you know, I've, um, just a person that's found purpose in working with people and trying to help people, um, in whatever way I can, you know, um, would be, what I would hope that if you asked someone about me, what they would say, you know, oh, that's great. No, that's a great way to describe yourself. Um, everybody. So most, no, I'll say everybody that's been on this podcast and that I look for um, are just true world changers and they, they want to change the world and somehow. So to me, I think, you know, what you are saying is, you know, you want to leave this place a better place than uh, you found it. I would hope would hope so talk to our listeners and to me um so you are an sel interventionist so what exactly uh you know what is that what do you do um well first i'll, I'll break this down the cell um the acronym sel is social emotional learning um 
And I look at myself, the long and short of it, I look at myself like if a kid is having, um, I guess you could say behavior or having um, just any type of issue um, in school, I'm kind of like roadside assistance, you know, so I'm there to kind of help them get back on the road, you know, and kind of look at a problem. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm basically like, you know, asking a kid, like, how do we turn this into that? You know, so whatever it is, you know, um, anything from a meltdown to, you know, just uh, having issues uh, with working class or, you know, just any uh, issue that may tackle the day as it goes with being in an elementary school. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, man. So uh, the first thing that I always like to do on this podcast is to model to our education friends out there uh, just this idea of connections before content. Um, I know in your role, you know the value of connections. Um, and so what I always like to do is let's just learn a little bit more about each other first. Um, then after that, we can jump into the content. So I've got two questions for you. Um, my first one is, what is your proudest achievement? Um, personally, um, you know, becoming a husband and a father. Um, now, uh, professionally, I would say uh, just being able to continually work with kids. Like, I've worked with kids in different facets since I was 14 years old. You know, um, my mother, uh, I think I was telling you this before, my mother uh, was the director of a community center in the south side of Minneapolis. Um, and this was around the time that I was 14. And so my first job was working with, you know, the after school program there. And so I was like a youth worker, um, you know, and so me being so young, you know, I did a lot of fumbling through that job as well. But, you know, it was a good, um, a good starting point for me you know, um, because I didn't know that it would be a setup for what I would be doing and what I've been doing since, you know, um, there have been times like even after I graduated from college where I tried to go and kind of do different things. Um, but I always, you know, it was like a, 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 I guess you could say like a boomerang effect, you know, I always was given opportunities, um, whether it was professionally or whether it was in the form of coaching or volunteering, you know, that always came back to something that was centered around kids. So, you know, that, uh, in a nutshell, that's, that's, you know, I hope they answered, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I'm a firm believer. Um, God puts you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. Um, and, and I get it, man. I get it. I tried to leave education a multiple, multiple times, um, to become a police officer, state police officer, um, and it just wasn't, I guess it just wasn't what I was supposed to do. So I get that. Um, sure. Now, I know, I know you're a humble dude because I know you won some type of award last year, didn't you, from the EVSC, from your school corporation? Yeah, it was actually in December. And a funny story about that day is that, you know, um, uh, the lady that actually nominated me, um, she she messaged me that morning and you know was just asking me like you know 
is there any kids that, you know, you want me to kind of come and observe today because I'll be at your school, you know? And so I'm not thinking anything of it. Sure. It's pajama day. It's last, <laughs> literally last day of uh, school for, you know, the semester. So everybody, you know, the entire staff, kids, everybody's coming in pajamas and stuff like that. I, uh, you know, I'm leaving Henderson, driving over the bridge, uh, somewhere along the line, I, uh, acquired a flat tire, you know, my tire oh. just went down. So, and so, you know, I just text, you know, I text her and I was just like, uh, cause she's a special ed coordinator. I was just like, you know, I, I text her and I told her, I was like, Hey, um, you know, I'm probably going to be running late, you know, I have a flat tire, you know? So the whole time I'm not realizing, you know, I'm thinking that she's just coming in and we're going to, you know, kind of go into some classrooms and there's some kids. She, uh, was actually, you know, there to present the award uh, with a few other people um, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, some of my other co-workers. So I'm sitting there, you know, like, I'm like, well, just you know, waiting I'm around. yeah. And so she had some stuff that she had to do, you know, later on that day. So she kind of had to push some things back. And it was kind of funny because, you know, we laugh about it now. But at that point, she was like, you know, well, do I need to come and get right. you this, that, and the third, you know, and I was just like, well, you know, I was like, I'm, my cousin's coming. He's going to help me, you know, put my spare on. My spare was low. So, you know, we're having issues with that. Put some air in that, you know, got, went and got a tire, got there. And then, you know, I walk in and, you know, everybody's standing there, you know. Um, well, well, actually, no, I walk in and then I get to the course of my day. So I go to a kindergarten class and kind of, you know, do some check-ins with some of the kids in there. And then, um my principal texted me and, you know, was just like, you know, we need you to report to your room. And here's yeah, the thing. Uh-oh. Year, because of, <laughs> yeah, because, right, yeah, you're getting called by the, you know, by the principal and being summoned. But no, like, you know, because of COVID, we haven't really been able to use my room um, in terms of how we used it last year in the space that it was, you know, where it really was like a calming place for kids, you know, even for adults. Um, and so I'm thinking to myself, this is the first time, and you know, it's the last day of the semester in December. So I'm like, okay, uh, uh, maybe they have a kid in there that, you know, they want me to you know, talk with or just to kind of, you know, be run through, uh, some movement breaks or something like that. And lo and behold, I get down there, everybody's standing in there and I'm just like, all right, this is an ambush or intervention of sorts. And, you know, then they congratulated me and, um, you know, gave me, hold on. It's I just had to grab it because I didn't want to misquote it. It's the IEP award, uh, individual uh, exceptional praise award, and I think within each uh, district, within the corporation, within the Harrison district, uh, I was the person that got nominated. It worked. Every district. And so that you know, within the districts, you know, um, within the corporation, one person from each district got nominated, and I got nominated. So. It's pretty Way cool, go, you know, mission of outstanding performance and commitment to the needs of exceptional leaders. So, you know, well, I, I, uh, I was, I was humbled to say the least. Well, then you are, then, then obviously you are excelling at your position. So bravo, man. So my next question, what would you sing at karaoke night? <laughs> Come on, man. Pulling out no what stop. Would I sing? At karaoke, at karaoke night, um, man, uh, I, well, you know, um, 
getting ready to turn 40. So uh, in a few months, so I would probably have to go with some, you know, late 90s, 2000s, hip hop or R&B, I don't know. Um, or, you know, go back to my childhood, you know, like MC Hammer can't touch this. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just as depends. As long as you got those you pants know. on. As long as you got the hammer pants. Mm, you know, I, I, I was him uh, for Halloween in 2010. That was, so you already that got was an interesting <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so All right, there. man. What questions you got for me? Man, um... And it's probably, it might be too early to tell, but um, I guess my first question is kind of like, what, what, um, since you started this, what has been the most like inspirational moment, you know, like really that showed you was kind of like, uh, you know, if it might've been like a pinnacle line, like a before and after for you, like, this is why I do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's easy. So, uh, Oh man, I actually a couple weeks ago. Well, I guess it was a month ago now because I I was on quarantine for two weeks and then we've had ice, uh, snowstorm for weeks. So we've been out of school, so I guess it's been about a month. I had a senior walk up to me. Um, I had parking lot duty every day, every morning because I love it. I just love to say hi to the kids in the morning, and I like to be the first thing they see. And I got this kid, this boy that comes up to me and he says, Mr. Scott, I just want you to know, I've been listening to your podcast. I listen to it every night before I go to bed. Um, if our, I listen to it before I go to bed and um, it really helps me calm down. Um, and I just want to tell you, thank you. And I was like, holy crap. Um, like that did it. Like I've got students listening to me. So, you know, now my students know where my heart, my heart is. And yeah, that totally, that totally made all of this worth it that's amazing you know because a lot of times you know i'll put it like this in the positions that we're in a lot of times we're so much more than whatever that position is you yeah. know and so when you think about that that's kind of a barrier to break through i think about with my own kids like you could walk up to them right now and tell them something and they would receive it but for me sure. you know and tell them i mean it could be you know, I, it could just be the best thing, you know, ever. And right. I could tell, and they would just be so, I don't know if it's skeptical, questionable, or just like, you know what, this is dad telling me, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's dad you know? know? Right. And so, you know, it's good to know, because again, like I said, a lot of kids, especially when they look at us in positions of authority, sometimes, uh, you know, the connection can be difficult because, you know, you kind of take on all the previous sure. interactions with authority that they had. And if those aren't healthy, you know, that's a lot of stuff that you got to work through just to be able to connect with them. So that's cool, you know, that they, that you got, you know, your, your, your kids listening to you. Um, I think that's dope. Um, I guess my second question would be, hmm, it can be just personal or. Yeah, man, anything. I'm an open book, open book. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, my second question for you would be, um, if you could have any superpower. I love this question. I mean, just anything, you know, what would it be? Okay. Okay. So, uh, I'll be honest. My favorite superhero of all time has always been Wolverine. 
so if I could be anybody, number one, he's got the coolest hair out of mm-hmm. every superhero I know. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's just a cool dude. Um, yeah, like if I had claws coming out of my hands and like I could spontaneously <laughs> heal and um, yeah, that's who I would be, Wolverine. Yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that we know a little bit more about each other, let's dive into this content. Sure. All right. So um, talk to our listeners. I know we talked a, li- a little bit about um you know, education and stuff, but talk to me about what led you into your previous position or into your current position, excuse me. Um, well, okay. So my wife is also a, um, employee of EVSC, uh, the corporation. Okay. And she currently, um, she works for the district, you know, so she goes to different schools um, you know, funny thing, she actually, um, worked at my school for a few days and that was, that was, that was interesting. But, um, <laughs> but so I was at the time before I started working at Fairline, I was working at Harrison and, um, I was Which just a high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Harrison is a high school in Evansville. So um, and I was an AEA monitor. So basically like in school suspension, you know, right. and things like that. And it was pretty cool. I loved working over there with Mr. Griffin and all those good folks, like some really uh, dedicated people at Harrison High School um, to those kids. Um, And it was great being over there. Um, But when I saw, you know, like I had been talking to Rachel about this position, you know, and just saying like, I felt like this would be really good, you know, for me because it's, it's, you know, it's all about connecting to kids, you know, and having um, that connection helps you to help them see the other side of issues that sometimes, you know, that wall is standing between them and, you know, what could help fix that. Um, So for me, um, like I said, I was working at Harrison and then I saw that the position had came open at Fairline, you know, and I didn't know anybody at Fairline, but I was just like, you know, I've had, you know, the luck, you know, of being able to go places and connect with kids. And I had already worked at an elementary school. I worked at Stockwell Elementary. Under, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep, under Miss Tolliver. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a wonderful situation for me. And so I was like, okay, you know, this could be cool going back to elementary from high school, which would be a major jump, you know, in terms of culture. But I was like, you know, I was just like, I, this is something that I want to do, you know. And so I applied, you know, uh, and was blessed, you know, to be able to, um, to be hired in, um, to that position, you know, so I, I transferred all over and, um, been there since, you know, it's been about three and a half years and it has been great, you know, um, no, not to any other, uh, school, you know, that I've been in, you know, uh, Fairline has truly, um, it's truly a family environment over there, you know, in terms of, staff takes care of each other, you know, um, and I give this example, you know, like you might see a situation where, um, you know, a first grade teacher might be having some trouble in the hallway with one of their, you know, students in their class, you know, and a third grade teacher, you know, that might be passing with their their class will kind of try to help, you know, and you don't always 
You don't see that, you know, especially if it's a kid. Yeah. If it's a kid that they haven't had yet, you know, and they don't have any previous background with, you know, anything like that, like, you know, they'll, they'll just kind of tend to their kids, you know, and, but not, not at Fairline, you know, like everybody, you know, literally collapse, you know, and we all, you know, kind of kick in each other, you know, and it, it, it makes things flow a lot easier. Is, uh, is Fairline on Pollock Avenue? Uh, it's right off of Pollock. It's yeah, just okay. on South Alver. Okay. But yeah, so, but it's, it's off of, it's off of mm-hmm. Funny story. It's funny how life works. Uh, while I was going through college, one of the jobs that I had was uh, selling copiers and business supplies. And Fairlawn was one of my uh, was one of my stops where I took copy paper every week. So it's funny that how life has went three certain, you know, three sixty, and and you know now I'm pretty good friends with the dude that works there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that is cool. So it's cool. All right. So you are a big SEL guy. You are a big relationship guy. So talk to me about, so let's get into this idea. Talk to me and talk to our listeners about what is the problem um, that you hope to, you know, solve, lessen, mitigate, alleviate. What is that problem? Well, um, you know, as I was telling you before, like, I don't think that it's like something that I could actually put a patent on because it's already in place. Right. Right. That's okay. But but there's but I guess for me this is a call for more of it you know and I'll start um, you know when you talk about even in the same district of a, a school district you talk about rural schools versus central city uh, you know schools or schools that are within concentric zones or schools that you know in layman terms we call you know public schools right um, I see um, and here's here's the Here's the issue that I see. I see that there is a lot more of a push when children have behavior issues. Now, whether it be, you know, anything, it can span the gamut from work avoidance to just, you know, flat out carry in behavior, you know, um, you know it, it, um, there's a push you know, for, for kids to be medicated, you know, um, and oftentimes, you know, I see that, and I don't know, you know, I, I see what I feel to be more of a push, you know, like I said, within inner city schools, um, you know, then you do so much in the rural, um, I guess you could say communities, but um, I guess my you know, my thing, and I guess the, the fix to that problem is high need support. Um, so talking about, you know, people that can come in, um, such as myself, that can kind of give um, coping skills, you know, and kind of help, you know, kids to see the other sides of, of, of moments that they're having that, you know, they're not always equipped to uh, understand, you know, and kind of giving them those tools versus, you know, uh, pushing data, you know, that ultimately push, uh, you know, children into situations where they're medicated, you know, because my, my, my big concern, you know, is just, you know, we always talk about getting kids on um, medication and I'm not, and here's the thing, I'm not 
against it. You know, I'm not saying that because I know that, you know, for some people, you know, it actually does help, you know, and it helps them to succeed academically, you know, and in terms of stabilizing moods, you know, I understand that. But also, you know, when I was at Harrison, I got to see, you know, like I said, when I was in working in a high school, I got to see, you know, older kids that, you know, were medicated or that had IEPs and things like this. And, you know, it made me wonder, I was just like, so what happens when they graduate, you know, yeah. and then it led me to think, like, okay, so is this a gateway situation to more extensive, you know, drug use? Right, right. To be honest, you know, and those are honest questions that I had to ask myself. And I just said, you know, like, how do we, you know, again, help kids uh, cope, you know, versus just you know, shoving pills at them. Yeah. Yeah. So when you and I had, um, when you came to me with this idea, um, yeah, this is something I'm going to tell you that I have seen firsthand. Um, I spent six years in a elementary with a 97% free and reduced. Um, and it was majority of inner cities, inner city kids and kind of like a place that you, that you work at. And, and I saw, yeah, I saw that firsthand, you know, the number of students, um, whether, whether they had an IEP or not, um, where it seemed like the, the easiest thing was to just shove pills down their mouth, their, their, their throat, because you knew, you know, that would work. Um, and I did a little research um based on you know this topic and and i this is what i found out um of the general population of kids two or three percent of those are prescribed a psychotropic medicine of students that are in special ed that is 26 percent but here's the thing for kids that have an ebd diagnosis and for those out there that don't know what that means that's an emotional behavior disorder for students with an EBD diagnosis, listen to this, 65% of those students are prescribed a psychotropic medicine. Um, and I completely agree with what you're saying. Yes, in some, some cases it does, you know, we do need that. Um, it does help. But I, and I do agree with you, though. Um, and I, and I, think, I think what you're saying is the pills don't need to be the first thing. We really need to develop some type of supports to keep from that. So, so talk to me and talk to our listeners. Instead of going that medication route, what would you do? So what should we do? Well, you know, and here's the thing, and this is where it gets foggy, because, you know, this is where I start talking above my pay grade. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> and that's okay, man. Well, and here's the thing, you know, because I know that, you know, uh, this budgets, you know, and this is budget work, you know, but, you know, hiring, in, hiring in um, supports, you yeah. know, for, yeah. for hiring so that you don't stretch the supports that you have. So then it turns into a situation where it feels like population control. Sure. You know, you're bouncing from one class to another class, to another kid, to another kid, without, you know, giving them things that are really effective. You're just kind of trying to put out 
a fire for the moment, you know, and ultimately kind of putting a band-aid on a gunshot wound. Yeah. So, so are you advocating? I think it's it's hiring, you know, um, finding a way. Go ahead. Am I advocating what? I was I'm just going to. I just I was, was saying. Gonna... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So are you advocating for curriculum? Are you advocating for more people? Um, are you advocating like so when you talk about these resources, uh, what would the what would the money, I guess, be spent on? I would say people because people. They, they develops um, curriculum, you know, uh, our cell our curriculum, you know, is strong. And Dr. Smith is a huge proponent like he he supports it, you know, uh, intensely like um, so we have, like I said, we have curriculum and, you know, I would say, you know, making sure that every school has a me, an interventionist, yeah, you know, sure. schools, some schools don't, you know, I think that, you know, it's based on data and it's based on, um, you know, other, other, other forms of number crunching, you sure. know, but, um, I would say if it just was an automatic, because here's the thing, you know, at any point, you know, um, any kid, you know, can be subjected to something that they don't know how to process. And that can definitely affect, you know, not just the course of their day, but, you know, just their path of learning, you know, from there on out, you know, and even how they process things. And, you know, I mean, you know, how that, that trauma can develop, you know, into something and can take them off of a certain path and put them on a completely different path you know, based on how they're processing what they're going through. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes that. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, there was this book I read um, called lost and found by his name's Dr. Green. And he developed something called the collaborative and proactive solutions approach. And it's essentially what you're talking about. I think is, you know, you use your people to boil down to the why, because there's always a why behind this, behind the kid's behavior. Um, and it's very easy, like you said, to slap a Band-Aid, which is the medicine. What's harder is to commit to getting a relationship with that kid, to sitting down with that kid, let that kid open up to you, find out you know, um, what's going on. Um, but what the CPS model he really talks about is that kids want to behave if they know how to behave and it's usually kids that are lacking some type of skill. So what I hear you saying is it would be those people's jobs to show those kids um, or to teach those kids the skills that they're lacking. And that's why they're acting out in the behavior. Sure, to equip them, you know, because, you know, like I said, um, you know, we don't know what all you know, uh, you know, we can't determine what kids are seeing, you know, um, excuse me. And we can try, um, you know, our best to, you know, give them the right influences. But, you know, ultimately, you know, I know for me, I can't tell you exactly what I learned, um, you know, when I was in second grade or, you know, uh, at different courses through, you know, I guess my you know, maturation in terms of education. But 
I can tell you the people that cared about me. That's right. You know, that went the extra mile for me. That's right. I can't say, you know, on, you know, May 7th of 1995, I learned this in this class, but I can tell you the teachers that really, you know, went the extra mile for me and um, what it taught me to do as I turn around and try my best to do a rendition of what they gave me with kids that I get to, you know, I'm blessed to be able to deal with, you know. You said something really profound there, and I don't even know if you meant to say it. You said that you are so blessed. Um, and the reason I say that, Cameron, I have heard those staff members that would say the total opposite of those kids that you are saying are blessed with. But what I'm hearing you say is that our schools need to, to invest in people like you who think their job is to do nothing more than build a relationship with these tough kids so that hopefully they can change the trajectory of these kids um, lives. Absolutely. You know, because regardless of their circumstances, you know, they should be afforded and deserve, you know, to know um, that they can, you know, they can, they can do things that they put their mind to. And that also that, you know, whatever, they see or whatever they feel does not determine the outcome, you know, um, and that they, they should have um, a safe space, you know, school, or even, like I said, those relationships with um, those adults in those said roles, you know, to, to be able to kind of help them see, like, look, you know, to give them something like, all right, well, I can be, you know, a Mr. Scott one day, I can be a Mr. Derrick one day, That's right. I can be a Mr. Whoever one day, you know, because, you know, we all, um, you know, we've, there's, there's not a, there's not a human that's immune to struggle, you know, and that, that hasn't, that's, that's walked through, you know, that, that hasn't, you know, that's, that hasn't come through something, um, you know, and that's, that's unscathed period, you know? So I think that that's the point and that's the connecting piece is getting kids to understand, like, look, you may look at me and you may think, you know, like I'm far away from where you are, but truthfully, I'm not, Probably not. right. You know, right. Yeah. I tell kids, um, at least, at you know, least once and, a week. And, what'd you so say? I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear you. Yeah, this internet connection is going in and out. Um, I tell my students at least once a week, um, life is the hardest thing you ever have to do. And if anybody tells you differently, they are on drugs or they are an idiot. Um, so I, I, I love what you said because you're exactly right. Like um, I wish adults, particularly in the education system, would be more vulnerable with our kids to let our kids know that we've struggled maybe not with the specifics, but letting them know that life has not always been super easy um, and that it's totally okay if they are struggling. Um, but I love it, man. I love your idea because it revolves around something um, I would say most people listening to this podcast agree with, and that is relationships, relationships, relationships are what are going to transform our schools, not um, yeah. testing, not um, pedagogy, um, not a good lesson plan, 
um, and definitely not medication. No. I love it, man. Right. I love it. Um, as you're, as I was sitting here talking, I'm actually thinking about, you know, how we got here. Um, you know, the, I've been in education. This is my 14th, 14th year. Um, and I think for so long, we were so driven by testing that when we had kids exhibiting these behaviors, um, for, for, for lack of a better word, we wanted their butts in a seat because we needed them to um, listen to this content so that they could regurgitate it onto a test. And the easiest way that we knew to keep their butts in a seat was to just dope them up. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then, you know, me, like the crazy part about that is that, you know, you you go to the other extreme of chance and whether or not they're receiving and retaining what you're saying, because, you know, we don't know how this medicine is affecting them. And oh, yeah, yeah. It, it may stabilize them, but to what degree, you know, right. and you, know, you can look at some kids and, you know, can almost wave your hand in front of their face and they're so zoned out. Oh, yeah. You know, because of the dosage, yeah. you know, you don't know what they're receiving, yeah. you know, and then, you know, it's almost, it's almost refreshing to see, you know, when the medicine wears off because you get to actually see who that kid is, you know, in their truest form, you know, and for me, I always, you know, I always tell people like I would rather deal with that than to be in a situation where, you know, I've seen, you know, kids that have been shuffled, you know, um, through so many different, you know, ranges of medicine, um, in a short time, you know, and it's almost to the point where, you know, they're so chemically imbalanced, you know, that you don't know what to expect, you know, and that, that to me, you know, I get, you know, that some parents are just trying to find the right dosage and are just trying to figure out, you know, and really, you know, have the best intentions at heart when it comes to, you know, what they're doing for their kids, you know, and want to give their kids a fighting chance, you know, but I also understand too, that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, not rush into that and maybe, you know, trying to figure out what the blockers are in the first place, you know, might, you know, help with that. And I'm not saying that we don't do that already, but what I'm saying is that I don't feel that there's, I feel like there's a shortage of people. And I think that would be uh, a part of fixing, you know, a much bigger issue. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I would put my stock in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would, uh, I would agree. There's a, there's a definitely, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, mental health is a big deal right now. And there's a lot of push to push counselors and more counselors in the schools to help with therapy and to help kids with those mental health needs. Um, but what I hear you saying, and what I totally agree with is that, Yes, we need those, but we also need people that are on the front lines to help these kids deal with these tough emotions. Um, now, at my elementary school that I worked at for six years, South Heights Elementary, for a long time, we had the PASS program, um, which is a phenomenal program um, where you basically you have somebody like you that is walking the hallways um, 
And if there is a kid that just needs a break, um, it is that person's job to pull them out into the hallway to re, you know, reconnect with them, to re, uh, refocus them. Uh, maybe if they needed a sensory break or something like that. And I cannot tell you how much of a difference that made in that school. But then I also remember when we lost our funding for that and that went the wayside. And I remember the difference in those kids. So, Absolutely. you know, what you are saying is we need more people like that. And um, I would completely agree with, with you. And I would say most of our listeners out there would agree with you as well. Um, so I'm going to start to wrap us up because um, we have talked about your problem. Um, you know, the problem of today's episode that we talked about was, you know, we have these kids um, that have some behaviors. And uh, instead of our first, you know, the first thing we do, instead of just prescribing them medications, let's talk to them. Let's pull them aside. Let's find out the why. And let's hook them up with a caring adult whose job it is, is to check on that kid multiple times a day. Um, I think that's an equation for success every single time. That's, that's what I do, you know, pretty much all day. Like if you were to look at my schedule, you'll see that my schedule was filled with me, you know, checking in with kids, pushing in at, you know, times that they're having academic, uh, you know, that they have issues with certain, like I said, academic instruction, you know, um, and, you know, kind of basically, you know, just kind of being there as a support, you know, and sometimes it's just, sometimes it's literally just physically being there, you know, and them, and, and, and you'll see a change when they realize that you're there, you know, on a routine base for them, you know, it's, it's almost esteeming to them, Absolutely you know, and, it is. you know, and so, you know, they, you know, they expect you when they don't see you, they let you know about it, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's, um, but it's a beautiful thing, you know, because like I said, it, for me, it spans so far beyond school because I just want, I want a kid to be able to look and say like, you know, what, what Mr. Derrick, what Mr. Derrick was to me is what I want to be able to be to, you know, kids that cross my path when I become an adult. You, you know, and if I, I feel like if if I inspire anybody, that, yeah, if I inspire anybody to do that, then I feel like I've done what I was supposed to do. That's right. That's right. So my my big idea that comes off of this one, and then we're gonna wrap it up. My big idea of this one is there has got to be a way, and we kind of already do have that um, to identify kids, especially so as soon as they enter kindergarten, we give them an ACEs, we give them an ACEs assessment because um, we know. Uh, kids with a high A score is probably they are probably going to be some of those kids that have the behavior issues. And so if there was a way for every school to identify these kids from the first day they are there, and then to hook them up with a loving adult whose job it is exactly like you, what you do on a, on a daily basis, if we could identify those kids in kindergarten, and that same person could stay with them, or stay with a group of them, their entire K through 12 year uh, education, man, that would be revolutionary in my mind. But like you are saying, it takes money. It does, you know, it does. So uh, my man, if there is someone out there listening that wants to connect with you, that wants to pick your brain, or maybe wants to, uh, wants to, I don't know, hire you to write a book on what you do, can you let us know um, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? 
Um, well, you know, uh, you got a Twitter handle? No, uh, Facebook, you know, Cameron, Cameron M. Derrett, you know, at Facebook. Um, also, uh, could email me, you know, Cameron.Derrett at gmail.com. Um, you know, fairly simple. Uh, those are more of, I guess, the standard modes of, you know, how you can reach me. Okay. Um, you know, and then from there, you know, of course, if you know, we continue the dialogue, of course, you know, I can give you more personal, you know, forms. But, um, you know, that's the way you can reach me, like I said, on Facebook, um, you know, or, you know, anyone that, you know, hears this and has any type of idea, or, you know, or wants to collaborate or whatever, uh, you know, you can reach me, you know, at my Gmail account. And it's just my name, Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-A-N dot Derek D as in David A R R E T T at Gmail. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. And uh so I also know before we leave that you are a uh aspiring songwriter. I do a little something. You do a little something. <laughs> Is there any way yeah. that anybody can do you have any of that stuff out on the web that people can listen to? You know, I actually don't. You know, over quarantine that was kind of like my therapy. You know, I uh did about five, you know, little songs. I mean, for the most part, like I always performed um, spoken word, you know, but then I said, you know what, we have time. You know, I was driving myself crazy, like uh, just doing projects around the house. And then, you know, I said, you know what, let me kind of dabble. So then I reached out to a buddy, you know, and um, he got me hooked up with a producer and, you know, uh, cut a few tracks and it was cool, you know, very, um, very amateur hour-ish, you know, but, <laughs> but all the same, you know, I had fun and it helped me, you know, just with, you know, 2020, because 2020 was a different type of year, you yeah. know, and, um, yeah, you know, between the pandemic and then you add to the notion, just a lot of, uh, you know, what, what took place, you know, uh, from the standpoint of race, um, and, you know, just, kind of how the veil was pulled back, you know, from a lot of people's eyes, you know, and um, me realizing that, you know, like a lot of people ask, you know, like, or didn't realize, you know, um, that race relations were where they were at or lack thereof, sure. um, yeah. you know, still in 2020. And, um, you know, like I said, writing, just helped me, you know, it helped me through that, you know, um, it helped me to be able to say exactly what I felt. And, you know, it was almost like, I can look at that and what I did, that was almost like, you know, if I had to name it, I would name it time capsule music because it, everything I wrote was about exactly what was going on at that time, you know? Um, and so I could drop that in the ground and dig it up in 30 years and you would know exactly, you know, what was going on. So it was cool. Right on, man. That's that's actually the same reason I started my podcast. Um, yeah. I mean, for for lack of a better word, that was my therapy. And it, and, and it still is. Still is. Yeah. Um, so, all right, man. Um, I sincerely appreciate your time today. I sincerely appreciate you uh, rolling with the uh, tech glitches that we had. And um, had an inter- we had an interruption with my four-year-old came in in the bedroom, but that's life, man. That's life. And uh, anybody out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so Cameron, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I appreciate your time. I mean, I appreciate you as always, our talks. Um, I, you know, 
I love that we spread music back and forth and whatever I'm listening to some days I, I share to you, you share to me. Uh, I appreciate your friendship. Um, I, I, I appreciate what you are doing uh, for those kids over there in Evansville. And uh, I'll be honest, I pray that we get the opportunity to work together one day. Cause uh, I think, I think you're doing some good stuff. That would, be, that would be it, you know, and I would love that. And, you know, uh, just echo everything you said, man. Like, I really, you know, appreciate everything that you're doing, you know, um, you know, and just stepping out and doing what you're doing and then just our friendship in general, you know, like we've had a lot of tough conversations within the last year where, you know, um, you've helped me to see some things, you know, and I've been able to really confide in you, um, as it goes with, you know, a lot of things that are going on in society, you know, yeah. that were very questionable to me, you know, and it was a blessing to have you, you know, through that. Right. Right. So, well, you know, as a white guy that, that didn't really understand um, a lot of the stuff, it's nice to have, have a buddy that I can be honest with and I can ask. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a black dude um, in 2021. Um, so I appreciate you and your friendship and helping me to be, be a better person. Absolutely. That goes both ways. Thank you. All right, man. To my listeners, uh, thank you once again for checking out the Big Ed Idea podcast. Um, we will see you later. Um, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your life. Talk to you guys. for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>